0: with us this morning. My name is David, and I'm the pastor here at uh, 6-8 Church. That comes from a verse in the Bible, Micah 6-8, and it goes like this. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And that's why we named our church that, because we want to be a church full of people who do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly. And so that's what, that's what the name 6-8 means. That's kind of what you've stepped into this morning. We welcome you to that. If this is uh, your first or second time with us, we'd love it if you'd take a connection card and fill that out and uh, put that in the offering after the sermon later in the service this morning. And if you do that, we'll donate a pair of socks in your honor to Northwest Children's Outreach. So by doing that, you can help us fulfill our mission as a church of doing justice uh, simply by filling out that card. The rest of you, if you would take out those cards and uh, fill them out, and let us know how things are going in your life, what uh, what prayer requests you might have, if you could uh, put that on the card and let us know, so we can be praying for you. We would really appreciate that, and uh, just keep us posted on things that are going on in your life. Two quick announcements, um, and you'll understand why it's only two because uh, after I make the first one, the first one. We use this Bible app every Sunday. We talk about it. You know, you can just go on your phone if you have a phone. You can go uh, look for U version, Y O U version, or um, you can um, look for just Bible. It usually shows up on, on Bible, and it's a free Bible app. Well, uh, we're, starting, we're starting to use it a little bit more, and one of the ways that we're doing that is we have uh, the scripture for today, as well as announcements and other things in there. They do events, so if you open up that app, and I'll just kind of show you on mine. I know it's really small, and you, there's no possible way you can see it, but you can get the general idea. Uh, this bottom right-hand button where it says more, if you click that button and then click events on the next page, it'll do a little search for where you are, as long as you've given it permission to do that, and then here, look, it says 68 Church Live, and you can just click on that, and then that'll pull up our our sermon notes for the day, the scripture for the day, and it'll also pull up all of the announcements that we have um, for this week. So, if you could do that while I'm talking here in the next couple of minutes, you'll have the Bible passage we're talking about today right there in front of you, as well as you'll have all of the announcements that we that we need to cover today. Uh, the scripture for this morning is a whole chapter, so we're not going to put it up on the screen. So I'm going to read it for you. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can open to 2 Peter chapter 3, or you can pull out your phone and open up to the Bible app and, and do that. So can you repeat that, please? Yes. Download the Bible app on your phone, and then once you open up the Bible, in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a little button that says More. Click that More button, and then on the next screen, the click Events, and when you click on Events, it'll pull up a map, and we should be right there at the top, 68 Church, and you can open up that, uh, that event for today and kind of follow along with us this morning. So, uh, we'll start to use that a little bit more and more each week as we kind of go on, so we can kind of have everyone have their notes there, and then you can keep them with you throughout the week. 360-818-4399. 360-818-4399. That's a text number. You can send uh, your questions and comments in during the sermon, and I'll do my best to address those as we go throughout the morning. And I'm going to move this pen because I'm going to keep moving it back and forth, and it'll bother somebody. So we are in our very last sermon and the book of Second Peter. We are going to finish all the way through Second Peter this morning. So this has been like a 12-week journey for us. We spent the first eight or nine weeks on uh, a droid that just has three lines, does not say more. I don't know about droids, so I apologize. Uh, somewhere there's uh, an events, if you want to look for events, or you can go on Google and just Google it while I'm talking, and I won't hold it against you. Just like i don't hold it against you if you fall asleep during the sermon, I understand I fall asleep during my own sermons, so no um but we're this is like the end, the capstone of our twelve week journey here in second Peter and uh, we're going to finish off I think on a really good note when we get into the text um, but to kind of set us up, I just want to address what might be a, a a common thing that we deal with, not just as americans and i've I've kind of talked with about this before, as Americans, we kind of deal with this, but I think as you read this scripture you're going to see that this is something that we've struggled with as human beings, probably for our entire history since the fall, going all the way back to Adam and Eve, and uh, when they when they chose to disobey God by by eating of the tree they'd been commanded not to eat from. And so um, what, what that is is that we have, I think, this desire for things to happen now, right? It's like I want it my way and I want it now. I don't want to wait for something to happen. I don't want to wait... For a process to take place. It's just, I want what I want, and I want it my way, and I want it right now, right? I mean, and this is, I think, you know, indicative of our culture. I think it's kind of been magnified and exacerbated in the United States because we just kind of feed it. You know, we've got shows like uh, The Voice, And even, you know, American Ninja Warrior. And uh, some of these shows where people are devoting, you know, time and energy to to get something, but they want, you know, this big payoff, the big reward. They, you know, they want to, they've been singing their whole lives. They think, well, if I just go stand in front of these judges, then I just might, you know, I just might make it, and then I can actually start to live off of this singing thing that I love doing, and instead of doing the things that, you know, 99.8% of other singers do, which is go out and record albums and gain a following and get a bunch of people that like your music and sell albums and stuff like that, and you kind of build your tribe of people who like your music, and over time you become more and more popular until eventually somebody decides to maybe pick you up and put your music out to the mass markets. Instead of kind of doing that long process, we want the instant gratification, put me on stage, get me a contract now, right? This is this can be seen easily when we look at things like the lottery and we've talked about this before. We, you know, we want to win the lottery and when the lottery gets up to like 800 million dollars or a couple of months ago earlier this year it was like over a billion dollars, right? Wasn't there one that was over like a billion dollars? Of course, you know, the government takes their fair share and you end up with about 65 cents, but you know, you We want want to go buy a ticket and be a billionaire now and not have to worry about anything. We don't want to endure the process of saving money so that we can have money to live off of, or we don't want to endure the process of going to work Every, I mean, I just don't think I deserve to, I deserve better than a job. I deserve to be able to just get my money and get what I want. Like, I don't want to have to work for my food. I want somebody to bring me my food without me having to do anything. I shouldn't have to lift a finger. I shouldn't have to, I just, just come bring me my, bring me my potatoes, bring me my pizza, right? Put it in my mouth fan me, give me, you know, give me a drink, you know, kind of spray me down with the mystery when I get too hot and cover me up with a blanket when I get too cold after you've sprayed me, too, you know, we just kind of create this whole lifestyle. I don't want to work for it. I just want it given to me. And what I think that kind of deals with, what that gets to the kind of the core aspect is patience, right? We don't have patience anymore, I'm not talking about you specifically, but you know, there are plenty of areas in my life where, where I just don't have patience anymore. I don't, I don't want to wait for something. I want it to happen when I want it to happen, and when I want it to happen was yesterday. Right, we kind of have this idea of, I just think I should get what I want when I want it. That's going to set us up for what we're talking about here in 2 Peter chapter 3. So if you'll join me, let's go to 2 Peter 3 chapter 3. While I'm, while I'm reading, if you have things in your life where you've wanted it now that you'd be willing to share with the rest of us, you can text those in. Is there something in your life where you, you just want it now? You want, you know, you want a, a job now? You want a car now? You know, are there certain specific things in your life? Maybe you want X, Y, Z. Put it in there and then kind of share it with us, if you will, and we'll share those as they come in. But Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1, This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved, and both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They'll say, where's the promise of his coming? Forever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. They deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago when the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. And by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Now, we're covering a whole lot here, and I'm going to try to come back and break it down as best I can in the time we have this morning. But he's talking about, kind of following up what he, what he talked about uh, earlier in, the, in, this, in this book, this uh, letter. Talking about you know, false teachers, now he's talking about scoffers, those who are going to kind of make fun of those who are saying, where is he, he, you know, you, you say that Jesus is coming, well, where is he? You're talking about this big, majestic return, well, where, why isn't he here yet? And, and if that was true for when Peter was writing that letter, then certainly that's true for us today, the scoffers coming out and saying, you know what, where is he? Where's this Jesus you talk about? He's, he said he was coming back, but he's not here yet. Why isn't he here? Where's the promise of his coming? But then he says, for they deliberately overlook this fact. The heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, talking about Jesus, the word of God forming the earth through the water, and so he separated the water you know, above and the water below. And then by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished, We're talking about Noah and the great flood and flood, and everything was destroyed by water. And he talking mainly, though, about the word, by that same word. The heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. His word, he's talking about his word being the important thing. Verse 8. So this is going to, you know, the first, first seven verses, this is going to happen. Scoffers are going to come. They're going to make fun of you and say this kind of thing. But Peter says, Don't overlook this fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth. And the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, since everything is to be destroyed and dissolved in this way, says since this is what's happened, since this is the prophecy that has been made, promised to us by the holy prophets that we're not supposed to get, since that... What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the day, the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And here he's going to tell us the kind of life. He says, Therefore, beloved, Since we're waiting, the kind of life you ought to live, since we're waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given to him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow, and here are the list, finally, that he's getting to, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. One thing I think might be helpful to understand about Peter is he has kind of a tendency to do this in his writing, is is he'll kind of start to set up a thought that he's wanting to do, and then he'll get almost like he gets sidetracked for, you know, two or three verses, and he's going to give us a bunch of information that's important information, but then the, the follow-up to what he started off in the first verse, like in verse 14, the follow-up to what he started in verse 14 and 15 isn't going to come until later in verse 18, and this is the same thing for the rest of this, the first parts of this chapter. So, when you're reading this, don't get caught up by, you know, the fact that he keeps mentioning the things like fire and judgment and stuff because he's giving us stuff in between all of these statements that we need to pay attention to. But I'm getting a bunch of, uh, getting a bunch of answers here, and I want to get to them real quick because I'm not sure what's going on with some of these. Um, the first one is, uh, are you talking about millennials? Well... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair to say of millennials. I think it's also fair to say of of uh, all of us. Um, I'd like my raise now. That's something someone said. Give me my raise now. Someone says, I'm si-, you know, patient, patient. I'm sick of waiting for my high school diploma, right? I understand that. This one I don't understand, okay? I need to go back. Story of my life, literally probably every area. I overdrafted my bank account because I had to uh, have... Uh, a dress from N- Rowe couldn't wait, in my defense, it was one of unicorns. One of my unicorns. One of my unicorns. Lula Linga Okay. I was trying to give anonymity there, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> now, okay, somebody said, for people using Android, click on the three lines and then click events on the list. So there you go, there's your explanation. But um, we, we all kind of, I think, deal with this, right, where we want something now and we're sick of waiting. And, but here Peter is speaking of, I think, one of the most urgent issues probably to face us today, if we will listen to it and not be drawn or distracted away from it like maybe we have. We haven't given this the uh, credence that maybe it deserves because this is the promise that we're all waiting for. This is the day that we're all waiting for. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're waiting for that day. And that's, that's a phrase that we see throughout the New Testament. It's just this hope of that day when, when Christ returns and everything is back to how God wanted it at the very beginning when he created Adam and Eve in the garden and he walked with them in the garden. He was present with them and had a relationship where he walked in their presence on a daily basis. And that's what we're anxious and waiting to get back to. And in the meantime, we have all of the stuff that we have to put up with and all of this garbage that continues to, to barrage us on a, on a daily basis. It's like we kind of get distracted about the fact that there is a day coming when all will be made right again, when righteousness will dwell in the land, and that will be the norm. It will not be our land being full of sinful desire and, and things that drive us away from God and into our own selfishness, but it will be things that drive us closer and into relationship with God. Righteousness will be the norm instead of fallen nature. But that day is coming, and and like, like I said a couple of weeks ago, he's using this phrase, stirring up. Peter wants to stir us up again. He wants to agitate us. He wants to get us going like the waves of the sea and to stir us up in the things that are important. And he's saying he's doing that in both of them. I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets. Let the promise of what's to come stir you up. Get stirred up by the promise. Let it, let it just kind of work in you and get you, get you going, get you fired up and get you passionate that there is a day coming when all of this will be put to rest and peace and righteousness will be the, be the norm. Get stirred up, get worked up about that. One quick note before we kind of dig into this in in a deeper level, um, and that is the twisting word statement here at the end of this chapter, um, because I don't plan on spending a lot of time on this. But here in verse 15 through 17, he says, And count the patience of our Lord of salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, There are some things in them that are hard to understand. So if you've ever read one of Paul's letters and felt like it's hard to understand, you're not alone. Peter is acknowledging the fact that there are things in Paul's letters that are hard to understand. But he says, "...but those things that are hard to understand, the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other Scriptures. Therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability." We are in a time and in an era where there is a plethora of teaching available. And if we, like I've said so many times, if we are not students of God's Word, if we are not faithful to read what God has taught us and given to us and laid out before us and and His own Word that He's given to us, it's real, easy, simple, quick to get drawn off into some kind of weird, twisted version of Scripture, It's real easy to find ourselves being drawn off into lies and heresies and and all of the things that Rob talked about last week when he was sharing with you. Those things are are not that far from the truth. And that's what makes it hard, makes it challenging, and if we don't know the truth, if we don't know what God teaches us, if we're not faithful to study and absorb and consume His Word and His message that He's given to us, it's that much easier for us to be drawn off and let those twistings of Scripture become who we are and what we believe. So don't allow yourself to be be drawn away from things that are twisted. Someone just texted in, I would like to have peace in my heart. That's a a great response because that's the promise of eternity, but it's also the promise of Christ in us right now. Jesus says is peace. That is what he came to bring. His gospel is a gospel of peace. And when we don't experience peace in our heart, that either means, one, we haven't put our faith in Jesus Christ and we don't know his peace. And if, if, uh, if you don't know Christ, then today would be a great day to start that relationship with Christ and to, to, to deny yourself and take up his cross, put your faith in him, and then we start to accept that gospel of peace and his burden is peace. His love for us is peace. But there are also times that I think that we're going to talk about here in this morning where maybe we are in Christ, maybe we believe Christ, and we've we've had our faith in Him for a long time, but we're stuck in this moment where we just can't seem to get past the torture of the here and now, and we're being drawn and distracted by the here and now instead of looking forward to the promise of peace and righteousness that's coming. And I think probably the greatest thing we can do today is to get perspective, I think the greatest thing we could do is get perspective. I've talked about this many times. Um, I was trying to figure out a way to illustrate this to you, but because of how we sit, it wasn't going to work really for anyone. But, but imagine that every one of you is kind of looking at me straight on, kind of head on right here as we look. You know, you're not sitting off to the side. Now imagine what, when you look at me, I kind of have, uh, you see what you see in front of you is a domino, right? You just kind of see this one one domino, and I guess I, you know, there, there was just no way for me to do it that wouldn't kind of reveal the, the, the thing, but when you're looking at me straight on, you look at this one domino, right, and that's all you see in front of you is the one domino, But now imagine like, you know, you've got a drone, you know, like they have the drones, a lot of TV shows now where they do these aerial shots and they just kind of fly up and kind of like you're sitting in this drone and all of a sudden you fly out from in front of this one domino and you start to get a little bit of altitude and elevation. What you see is a row of dominoes. It looks just like one from where you're sitting at first, but then the higher and higher up, you can see that it's it's a great big long row of dominoes. And as the higher you get, you can see that it's kind of designed to fall in a certain way that it's not just going to all fall at once, but it's going to fall a little bit and then another domino will have to be pushed and and that'll fall a little bit further. There's kind of a plan and a design and we can't see that when we're looking right square on the domino at the front. But as you get perspective and you kind of get out from the situation a little bit, you can look down and you can see, oh, there's a lot of dominoes and they're laid out in a strategic order. There's a plan to this whole thing. And I think if we can just get a little bit of perspective this morning, it's going to really change and guide how we live our lives. Because like the, the question that just came in, I'd like to have peace in my heart. The, the reason we start to feel like we don't have peace in our hearts, I think as followers of Jesus Christ, if you're not in Christ, you don't have peace. You won't have peace until you're in Christ. So if you want peace, you have to come to Christ to get true peace. The, peace, the world cannot give you peace. Only Christ can give you peace. But if you're in Christ and you're feeling like, I don't, I don't feel like I have peace anymore. I think it's because we're starting to look at the one domino and we can't see past the one domino anymore. We've just got our eyes set on that one thing. and We need God's perspective where we can see, hey, you know what? God has a plan and all of this. He has this all figured out. He, I can see the one and I can see the ones coming behind it. And here is, I think, what Peter is getting at in this third chapter and kind of driving home this point. God has the plan and place. God's got it all figured out from beginning to end. He knew what it was going, how it was going to start. He knows how it's going to end because he exists outside of time. We are trapped and defined by time because we are under this curse of time and, and God exists outside of time and he can see the whole thing from a perspective we can't even imagine and he's looking down on it and he knows exactly how it's going to happen and when you know that your faith and trust is in that individual, that person of God sitting outside of everything and you're believing him. His word, you're believing His teaching and you're believing what He says about your situation in the here and now you can have peace because He said it and He sits in a place where He can tell you how it ought to be. But, what does Peter say? Scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. Following their own sinful desires. Desires. And he tells us what they're going to say. They're going to say, where's, where's the promise of his coming? What, what happened? I mean, Jesus said he was coming back, and where is he? Why, why isn't he here yet? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or, or anything, but I, are there days when it feels silly to believe what we believe? Are there days when it feels like, you know what, this, this kind of just feels like this big fairy tale, right? I mean, this is crazy. I, I mean, this is, really, this is really crazy, right? I mean, okay, let, let's talk about this for a minute. How can this actually be true? God... Came and was born of a virgin and he lived and walked on this earth. And then, you know, he had a bunch of disciples and he died on the cross. He paid the price for my sins and he rose from the dead. What? Yeah, really? Come on. Okay, so he rose from the dead and then he sent his spirit. Yeah, spirit. Uh huh. God sent his spirit. Sure, spirit is coming to fill me. Uh huh. That sounds real. That doesn't sound like something we're going to experience next Monday on Halloween. It's like, I, I'm not sure that this can be a real thing. And he sent his spirit to fill me. And uh, so now I am full of his spirit. And someday, magically, the skies are going to part and the trumpets are going to sound. And Jesus is going to come descending on clouds. And uh, it's, like, it's like he's just going to kind of come in this, elevator, this escalator down from heaven. And, and everything's going to come and everything's going to be made right again. Doesn't it kind of it just it starts to sound a little bit far-fetched, right? And that's what the world around us is trying and continually trying to convince us of. You're crazy. You're you're stupid. You're, how could you possibly believe? Really? You think Jesus is going to come back from the sky? I mean, like, okay, I know other people who believe that, and they, they believe that about aliens, and they believe that about extraterrestrials, and, you know, they think Independence Day is real, and, you know, they, they, their dream is to visit Area 51 and, you know, worship. You know, what, it's like it, we get classified and categorized into this char- characterization of crazy people who believe in aliens, And if we're not careful, it becomes how we think about ourselves and the scoffers, the message of the scoffers and their teasing and their belittling of what Christ has promised to us starts to sink into our minds and our hearts and our spirits and we find ourselves thinking, you know what, maybe maybe I'm the one that's crazy. Maybe I'm the one that's off. Maybe I've got this whole thing messed up. Maybe you've never thought that. I'll be honest with you, though. I have at times. But Peter gives us this. He says, they deliberately overlook this fact. They deliberately overlook this fact. That the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. And by that same word, the heavens and earth that now existed are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. They deliberately overlook this fact that by the word of God, everything that we are standing on, everything that we are breathing in, everything that we consume, everything that we are surrounded by was created. God created everything around us. And if you are going to, to uh, belittle what we believe about those things, then you have to belittle it all, right? You, you, can't just, you can't just take away part of the teaching. You have to take away the whole teaching, which is what our culture has tried strongly to do by forcing on us the idea of evolution, that everything came by accident and everything just happened to happen by happening accidentally, But that's not what we believe in Christ. We believe that God designed and planned everything by his word. He spoke it into being and his word made it a reality. And now we are experiencing around us the reality of his word making this earth. And that means if his word makes the earth that we stand on, his His word makes the water that sustains us for life, then that word is true about everything he tells us for the promises he has and the life we're supposed to live is true. They deliberately overlook that fact, is what Peter's saying. It's, it's something you can't ignore. So if you feel like you know, you're kind of, kind of one of those weirdos that believes in a, a weird conspiracy theory, what you probably ought to really understand is: you know what? Those who don't believe this are the weirdos. Those who think that something could possibly collide and make something. I mean, seriously, I don't mean to belittle if you, if you actually believe this and if you want to have a conversation about this afterwards, I would love to have a conversation. And so would Jim and a bunch of other people in here because you know we've done a lot of talking about this over the years. But you don't take nothing and nothing and bang it together and get something. It just doesn't work that way, and we can see that in the world around us. We see in the world around us that when things you know, bump into each other, they fall apart. <laughs> and you leave them laying there and nothing happens. They disintegrate, they they decompose, they, they become less life, they don't all of a sudden spontaneously create life. But God by his word spoke and he separated the water from the heavens and the water on the earth, and he separated the land from the sea, and he, he created the plants, and he created the mountains, and he created the animals. And by his word, he created us, and by his word and his breath, he filled us with life. And by all of his word, he has done these things. Someone texted Texas and I hear people make fun of Moses and uh, uh, two penguins walking from the South Pole to the Middle East. Zero times two equals zero. Yes, it always equals zero. Um, There are questions coming in that I really don't have an answer to. Something came from nothing, opposite of Newton's first law. I'm really not that smart, people. I just pretend to be. So... um, but anyway, I think the point Peter is making, God's word created this earth, let's trust the rest of what God says. I think that's what he's kind of getting at here. Now we're going to take a little bit of a turn and, and kind of come with me on this, if you will, because we're going to step away from the scoffing a little bit and go to our lives. There are two great fav- two uh, great phrases in this passage that, that just... just smacked me in the face as I was reading them. They're astounding to me when we start to look at it and understand how Peter is telling us what he's saying. He says, God is patient toward you. God is patient toward you. Verse 8, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, Though with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And he kind of comes back to that that thing, that theme he keeps coming back to. But he's coming back to it for a purpose. First, let me say this. It may seem like God is taking a long time to come back, but it will happen at the exact moment he has prepared. And when he does, I think this is the point Peter's making, when he comes back, it will be unmistakable. I think that's why he keeps coming back to these passages about how it's going to happen. But he says, you know, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Remember, we're sitting here trapped by time looking at the one domino, but God is removed from all of that, and he's looking at the whole picture. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. God has this thing all planned out and laid out how it's going to work. And unlike myself, and I don't know if there's anyone else in here like this, but God is not a procrastinator. Any procrastinators? Any fellow procrastinators in here? Like, yeah, you can raise your hands on this. You can be proud of it. It's okay. I'm a procrastinator. For me, procrastinating is part of the process, right? It's like it's what gets me, you know, the drive to be able to do it. And if I don't have the pressure, I don't have what I need to get the job done. So I just kind of put it off, and then all of a sudden I get the. It's like, okay, this has to be done by tomorrow, so I better work on it today, right? It's procrastinating is part of the process for for a lot of us. And I think what we get this picture of is God sitting up there procrastinating, you know, just waiting to return. It's like, like God is just kind of sitting up there lounging and his lazy boy watching, you know, Monday night football. And he's like, you know what? I don't really feel like uh, sending Jesus back today. Uh, let's, 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 see how, let's see what tomorrow looks like. Uh, okay. So, so uh, you know what? You know, I'm God. I can do whatever I want. So I'm just going to wait. Uh, so, so so maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe, maybe someday. And that's, I think that's the image we kind of conjure up in our mind. Like, like God is just kind of sitting up there being lazy and procrastinating. He's God. He's not lazy. He does not procrastinate. He has a specific exact time that he has prepared in advance from long ago that he's going to come back. And all of the space in between all of this meantime that we're waiting is part of the plan. It's not God putting it off and waiting that it might come at some point down the line. It's, it's part of the plan. And what is the plan that he's got in place? It is God's patience toward us. This is the plan. This is the meantime. This is the purpose for why we are where we are right now is that God is patient toward us. What does that mean? I think what that means is God is patient toward us and shaping us and and molding us into his image, and he wants us to become more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And so he's patient toward us, that you know what, the day of my coming is down here, and so I'm working on you in the meantime. He also says God doesn't want any to perish, but that all should experience repentance. The delay in his returning is patient because he wants more people to come into the kingdom who aren't here yet. He wants us to reach outside our comfort zones and outside our boundaries and outside the norms of where we normally walk and live and experience and bring people into the kingdom of God so that they can experience what we've talked about so far: God's peace and God's love and God's righteousness. He's, God is being patient. He said, You know what? I'm waiting. God's patience is. Come on guys, get it, I'm waiting. on purpose. I'm not just delaying because I don't feel like coming right now. I'm waiting because I want you to get out there and get it done. I want you to get out there and reach people. I want you to get out there and love people. I want you to become more like my son, Jesus Christ. I want you to put off more and more of the old man and put on more and more of the new man. Stop, stop, you know, listening to the scoffers and twisting scriptures and and letting yourselves be drawn away and sucked away into all of these other things. Get it right on me. Focus on me and let's get back to where we're supposed to be. God is patient toward us because he wants us to have him. So when you find yourself saying, you know what, God, when are you going to come back? Can't you just come back already? Please return. Yes, we want you to return quickly. Please, God, come back quickly. And I understand the sentiment, and it's a sentiment that has echoed throughout all of church history. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Part of what I think we're doing is we're kind of stepping over the fact that there's a reason He's not here yet. There's a reason that He hasn't come yet and we have work to do. He's not being slow to fulfill His promise. He's waiting until everyone who can receives His free gift of salvation. By the way, if God wasn't patient, um, he would have done away with each and every one of us a long time ago. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Amen. Amen. Procrastinators are perfectionists. That's, That's a fairly true statement. We want to get it right. Moving on. It's all going to come together here in just a minute. Peter says, what sort of people ought you to be? And he's kind of coming to an end here. Verse 11 through, uh, through the end, it says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, he says, since this is what's going to happen, it's all going to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? And we have to wait a little bit to kind of get the answer to that because he gets sidetracked again. He says, "...waiting for and hastening the, day, the coming day of our God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt and burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells." Okay, so since all of this is going to happen, what sort of people ought you to be? And then we, we, he keeps going down the same road. says, "...therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace." And we're going to come back to this one. Count the patience of our Lord of salvation. Gets sidetracked again by Paul and twisting everything. But he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. What kind of people, what sort of people ought we to be? Well, we ought to be living lives of holiness and godliness. We ought to be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. What sort of people ought we to be? Well, we need to take care that we're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose our own stability. What sort of people ought we to be? Well, we should grow in grace and the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What he's getting at is, you know, in the meantime, while you're waiting, be this kind of people. And as you're being this kind of people, you're going to draw closer to Jesus Christ. You're going to draw closer to the holiness and godliness that you've been called to. You're going to experience more and more of my peace. You're going to know what grace is. You're going to know more about me. You're not going to be drawn away. In the meantime, carry on with what you're supposed to be doing. Don't be distracted. Don't get lazy. Don't mail it in. Be serious and diligent to live the lives that you've been called to live. That's the sort of people we ought to be. With well, this last phrase, and we're about to wrap up here. Sorry, I'm a little bit worked up. But, you know, I had last week off, so. It um, says, count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Count the patience of our Lord as salvation. And this is kind of what I want to say to us this morning is, don't let what seems like a delay in God's return discourage you. God will return at exactly the right time. Don't let what seems like a a delay in God's returning be something that just depresses. Like, God, I thought you were going to come back by now. I didn't think we were going to have to deal with this anymore. I, I just... Come on, God, why aren't you here yet? Instead... Let the promise of what we know is going to happen because God's word is true. Everything in God's word is true. Everything God has said is true. We know that because of history and it teaches all of that. We know that because we experience it in our own personal lives. God's word is true. And so when God's word says he's going to come back, he's going to come back. And he's going to come back at exactly the right time. So don't let the delay discourage you. Let it drive you. Live the time that we have left before he comes back with intention and purpose. Live the lives we've been called to live of holiness and godliness, growing in grace and knowledge. Use the time we have to reach out to those who don't yet know Christ and to shine the light of God's love into the darkest places of this earth so that people may know and come into the kingdom and experience the peace that we experience. I know it's easy to be distracted by the things that are right in front of us. It's easy, you know, to get our eyes off of the road for a little while, right? I mean, we all understand that by distracted driving, texting and driving. It doesn't, you don't realize... How long you can have your eyes off of the road when you're looking down at your phone and texting, or looking at Facebook or whatever you're doing. So I've seen people watching movies on Netflix, like holding their phone on their steering wheel, watching movies while they're driving. And it's like, and you don't realize how long you can go without looking at the road. And you know, this this one lady was watching a video at night, and she keeps coming all the way over, halfway over into my lane, and it's like, so I keep watching and trying to see if there's any kind of rhythm to her craziness and her inconsiderate driving, so that I can finally find a a spot to get around her and every time she just kind of creeped over and I was honking my horn because you know I just am I'm a very you know thoughtful driver and I want to make sure you know that nobody gets hurt and so honking my horn at it and you just still just kind of keeps creeping over and so finally I found a spot and I just gunned it when I could get back past her and get to a safe spot you know we're distracted a lot of times when we're driving it's easy to get distracted by the things that are right in front of you. I don't know if you've ever driven a bigger vehicle or like, you know, a van, one of the van, you know, the old vans, but I had this friend in high school and they had the, uh, one of the Ford Econoline vans. You know what I'm talking about? It was like, it had you know, like eight seats in it and it had, you know, curtains in, in there and uh, had a, you know, a bunch of like the captain's chairs that spun around, right? You could be sitting in the, sitting in the middle and spin around and they had, you know, so we would take it any time we had to go from Jackson to Columbus. It was fun because we could all pile in there and just kind of live this lush life, you know, just kind of sit there and it's like, this is the life, I can, I can travel in style. But he was a little bit older than me and when he was learning to drive, his parents discovered something about his driving. When he's driving that van, he doesn't look down the road. He looks straight down the hood at the lane right in front of him. And I don't know if you've ever, I I, I was going to say you should try this on the way home, but maybe you shouldn't, Um, because I tried it on the way here just to see what it was like and, you know, just kind of approaching a a slight curve. Just, Just look right down at the road right in front of the hood of your car, and if you get in an accident, you cannot hold me responsible. I said that, right? But try, try just looking right down the hood and not looking down the road and see how you drive. Because what's going to happen is you're going to be driving looking right down the hood and a curve is going to come on the road and you're not going to see it coming. And what you're going to do is you're going to find yourself correcting really quick because you didn't know something was about to happen. And so we find ourselves looking right down the hood. It's like we're looking right now in the here and now, and the only perspective we have is of this very moment in time. And so we're driving now through this thing that we call life, and we're looking right down the hood of the car, and the only thing that we can see is what's right in front of us. The only thing that has our attention right now is the immediate. And we can't get our eyes past that. And so We're living lives that are haphazard and chaotic and crazy because we are looking right at the right now, and when something comes and a turn comes, instead of having our eyes set where they should be, we're looking at the here and now. When it comes, it takes us by by surprise, and we overcorrect, and we find ourselves in the ditch or in someone else's lap. Don't be distracted by the here and now. Don't be distracted by the twistings. Don't be distracted by the scoffers. Don't be distracted by all the people who are saying you're crazy for believing what you believe. Don't be distracted by the fact that we are living in a less and less Christian country, and it's becoming harder and harder to be a Christian, and we're we're enduring more and more scoffing for being a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't get distracted by the here and now. Don't get distracted by what's going on in the country at the moment right now. Don't let that distract you from what's most important. The most important thing is not in a election, the most important thing is that we understand the one who knew what was going to happen in this election before it ever happened. Don't get distracted by the here and now. Everyone, raise your eyes up and get the perspective that God wants you to have. He said, by my word I created the heavens and the earth. By my word I I brought the earth to destruction from Noah. By my word I have done all of these things. When I speak, you can trust me. Listen, I'm coming back. In the meantime, my patience is your salvation. My waiting is your salvation. Don't get caught up in the here and now and get distracted from what's most important. Listen to the important things and follow God with everything you've God for right now because this is the most important thing you can do today. What are you gonna do with your here and now? One last thing and then I'm done. Because as much as the lives that we lead are important, so is the fact that we have been called to be light. And I played this, song. I was gonna play it for you. I know a lot of you haven't heard it, and I'll just put a link to it up on Facebook. Uh, later today, so that you can you can listen to it if you want. But it's a, a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman. It's called "A Little More Time to Love," and what we have is just that: we have a little more time to love. It's like we're waiting for Jesus to return, but in the meantime, we have. A little more time to love. We're, we're waiting for this day to come, but in the meantime, we have a little more time to love. We have a little more time, and he actually sings in the song, we have a little more time to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. We just, we've got just a little bit more time. We're waiting for that day, and until that day comes, we've just got just a little bit more time. What are you doing with the little bit of time that we have left? Because it could be today. I mean, that's the hope. We're hoping it would be today. It could be today, and that's the point that Peter is getting at you. It's a promise that's going to come. We don't know when it's going to come, but it could be today. Are you ready today? Have you done everything you can? Are you living your life with urgency? Are you sharing Christ with urgency? Are are you shining the light with urgency? Are, are Are you getting Christ the exposure that he needs in your family? Are you sharing Christ with those who you love the most? Are you sharing Christ in your workplace as you go out and you work with people on a day-to-day basis and you spend more time with them than you do here? Are you shining the light of Christ with them or are you just working and trying to blend in and not stand out too much? Are you shining the light of Jesus Christ? Are you shining the light of Christ in your neighborhood? Are you making Christ known to your neighbors? Are you shining the light of Christ when you're out in the marketplace and in, in, the, in the work world and, and you're buying things at the grocery store and you're getting gas are you shining Christ are you being Christ are you taking every opportunity you have to love just a little bit more love a little more time to love who can I love right now who can I love today what can I do today because God's patience right now is their salvation and I might be what they need for their salvation what am I doing to love them so that they can experience God's peace I think that's kind of what Peter's getting at in this last chapter. There's a lot more to it than that, but we don't have time to get there. You should just read it and let it kind of soak in a couple more times. It's a short book. You could actually read the whole thing a couple times today and let all that we've talked about over the last 12 weeks soak in and saturate your mind so that you can live it out. I'm going to ask the band to come and we're going to close here. As they're coming, I want to pray for us. So if you'll stand this morning. And bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Peter and his writings. I thank You for the truth that You have shared with us through Your Spirit illuminating Your Word to us over the last couple of months. Father, I pray that these words that we have heard, that this truth that has entered into our minds and into our lives would not just be knowledge and facts that we use for discussion, but that it would be life-altering truth that we live our lives by. Father, change us into the image of your Son. Shake off more and more of the old. Replace that with the new. And Father, as we find ourselves here waiting in the meantime, I pray that you would give us your peace, a peace that passes understanding, a peace that we cannot understand because it comes from the Prince of Peace. Peace comes from the God of peace. It comes from the God who, who exists in a spot where he can say, this is how you should be right now because I have a plan. Trust me, I've got this. Father, fill our hearts with peace. Fill our hearts with the assurance of no matter what happens today, no matter what happens this week, no matter what happens this month, that you are still in control. That you are still in control sitting on your throne, that you still have a plan and that you at the exact right time are going to return, but until that time you're being patient with us for a reason. Fill us with the peace and the assurance that comes from knowing our God is in control. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us that you would overcome in us our complacency, overcome in us our our lack of desire to share and to shine you to those who don't know you. Overcome our desire to blend in and to not stand out. Overcome the things that keep us from being who you want us to be around those who still need to hear from you. And Father, give us boldness and courage to share with them what they so desperately need to hear. Maybe they're the one. Maybe they're the one that needs to hear it. Maybe they're the one that that you're waiting on. We, we have no idea how this whole thing is planned out for you. But Father, overcome that in us, that lack of passion, that lack of desire to be you to people. and. Father, in this moment, I pray that you would fill us to overflowing with your spirit of peace and that people in the world around us that we walk as we go to work and as we live in our families and as we do the things that we do in this week ahead, they would be astonished and astounded by the peace in us and they would be drawn to Christ in us and find the hope that they need through Christ living in us. We know that You are good. We know that You desire for all of us to come to repentance, that You desire to transform our minds, to renew us into the image that You once had for us. We know that all these promises are true. We know that You are able, that You are strong enough to accomplish these things, and that At that point in time, you will return and the whole world will know and everyone will bow and everyone will worship whether they want to or not. Father, I pray that not only we, but that those we are surrounded by would bow in reverence and worship and awe out of the choice because we have chosen to put our faith in you, not being forced to bow because we never did. And we understand now that All of this was paid for by the blood of Your Son, Jesus Christ, that redemption comes through His work for us on the cross, that redemption comes and transformation comes through His resurrection, and that the power for living this life that You've given us and called us to live comes through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And we stop now for just a minute and remember. We remember that Christ did this for us so that we could experience Him. Father, remind us of all that we've been given, of the joy, of the blessing that we have received. Fill us to overflowing with love because we have received great love. And to whom much is given, much is required. We have been given much, Father. Let us give much. In Jesus' name, amen.